Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler, and let's start with a bit of an apology, bit of a mess up at the beginning of last month's podcast. I incorrectly told you it was episode number 67. Of course, December's was 67, January's was 68. So let's clear this up. This is episode number 69 for February 2018. Thank God for that. Now, we're with you for uh, about an hour and seven minutes this month, so hope you're going to enjoy the podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology program. And this month, Sharon Lyons is back to talk more about Google Docs and exploring some of the features in the accessibility menu in that application. Roisin Dermody's along to talk a bit of lifestyle and music and uh, a really interesting project that she's putting together with blind and visually impaired musicians. And finally, Julie Rodaway in the UK brings us on a thorough review of the recently released L Braille. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Now, starting us off this month, we were delighted to get so much feedback after last month's podcast to Sharon Lyons' piece about Google Docs. I know I certainly learned a lot. I think that was one of the things that lots of people picked up on that, you know, I was learning as we did the recording. I'd never used Google Docs to that degree before, putting in comments and doing all that really good stuff. And it showed me how powerful a solution it can be. And certainly from the web um, t- um, certainly from the web end of things, it was more accessible or had a better feel than the Microsoft Office equivalent on the web anyway. Um, so we're delighted to do more on Google Docs this month. Sharon Lines is back again. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Stuart. How are you? Welcome back. Great to have you. Yeah, I'm delighted that people enjoyed that last month. That was really um, kind of, uh, we really ad-libbed didn't yeah we did because i mean there was a point there was one point i was i almost forgot we were recording i was like this is amazing we're working away here the recording was almost a secondary thing you know yeah it was good it was good to kind of just give it a go sometimes these things you know rather than um i don't know and of course this is and, and it's interesting as we record actually um google have i think a couple of days ago launched this uh, new service where you can email the google accessibility team and get support on any queries you have with rega- with re- regard to google products so it includes obviously android the operating system uh, google home i believe and the whole google app suite including docs and mail and sheets and all those things so it's it's really they really are taking huge steps in accessibility yes and they are pretty good at getting back to you as well i found because i have gone on various different um kind of uh news groups and stuff about accessibility and about google and uh there's a lot of discussion going on so it's great yeah, they're definitely good. Uh, okay, so this time, as you say, we're looking at this accessibility menu. From a, from a perspective of, I suppose, Sharon, somebody using assistive technology, this menu, is, is, is it important? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, um, it's kind of giving you a few things that you would have traditionally in Word with a screen reader and um, a few kind of extra things. So it's it's a, it's a bit of a mix between um, word access with a screen reader and web access. You know, when you can kind of press H for heading and things like that, it's kind of bringing the two together, and that'll make more sense as I <laughs> go through it. Okay, and and maybe j- just before we kind of start the demo, um, for people who want to try this out or maybe want to work along with you, and we do encourage people to do that. Um, the, the your your browser screen reader combination at the moment is is what? It is Google Chrome and uh, NVDA. Okay, and certainly I've just to note I've had really good success using Chrome as well. In fact, I've pretty much made Chrome my default browser for everything now. Um, but I found that with uh, Internet Explorer, which was the other browser I was kind of using, um, I just didn't get that experience at all with Google. But with Chrome and JAWS, and I think as we saw on this on the last podcast, it worked mm-hmm. really well, as it does with Chrome and NVDA. So, so definitely a good solution. Yeah. I've just um, chosen NVDA because I just 
prefer the voice, actually, <laughs> to be honest. Fair enough. So I'm actually in my Google Drive at the moment. So what I've done is I've started up Chrome. I've gone to drive.google.com and signed in to my Google account. So my drive comes up, which is basically, it's like a, a folder on a web page of uh, my online storage on my Google Drive. So I'm just kind of arrowing between documents here in the list, um, which is kind of alphabetically organized. So do I have here? 2017-18 academic year dot XLSXL owned by me. 2018 plans shared Google Docs owned by me last modified by me the 9th of now that was um that was what we were working on last month last time ah and it said uh, it was shared because it's still shared with me exactly ah, yeah. very good okay okay yeah and I have here one that I've prepared earlier <laughs> beetroot brownies dot dot x Google Docs owned by me last modified by me okay Beetroot brownies, your favourite, Stuart. I have to say, I have tasted these, so it'll be interesting to hear the recipe. Yes. Um, and the interesting thing about this is that the, the 2018 plans document that we were working on last time was a um, like a Google Docs document. But the beetroot brownies document is a Word document that I have imported into my drive. Um, and the interesting thing about that is that I can make changes to it in my drive and it keeps it as a, a doc, docs, you know, D-O-C-X mm -hmm. file. And I can kind of download it back onto my PC and open it with Word. It actually converts it back to Word. So um, I thought that was interesting. Certainly is. I suppose, again, this idea that if you were sharing something with someone who wasn't using Google Docs, and I suppose I've often received documents from people that might have been created in Google Docs. I'm generally a Microsoft person, but that's mm -hmm. that's great that that is that kind of um, intercompatibility, if you like, is there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to open this now. So I can just press enter on it like you'd open any file. And what it will do, will it will open another tab in the browser with the document. So it'll open Google Docs with the document in it. So let's press enter. Untitled window. Main okay. toolbar. Menu button view site information. Address and search bar edit. Selected HTTPS. Okay. It says some weird things, doesn't it there? <laughs> um, it has opened another tab, but I think what we did was um, we just did like insert T beetrootbrownies.docx and that reads the tab title so we kind of know where we are but it, uh, it 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 doesn't actually say anything particularly useful when it opens a document but um by and by um so now i have a, a document open and it's the beetroot brownies recipe hopefully and i should be able to arrow up and down heading one beetroot brownies there we go we're on beetroot brownies and if i arrow down with around half the fat of regular brownies. These are a slightly less guilty pleasure, but still have that intense chocolate hit. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Stuart? <laughs> Completely, Sharon. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely a guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> slightly less of a guilty slightly pleasure. Slightly less of a guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it counts. Um, okay. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to go into, you know, you can imagine this is a recipe. So I have... Um, a list of ingredients. I'll have uh, a method. Um, I have headings in it uh, that I put in in Word. So I would have formatted them as headings in Word um, and have various kind of formatting going on. And I have some pictures in here somewhere as well. So I'm going to go to the accessibility menu and see what I can do to explore this document. So, Alt-A. Accessibility submenu 10 of 10. And if I arrow down. Speak S submenu 1 of 11. Speak. Um, you'll remember, actually, we had comments here. Comments C submenu 2 of 11. That was the one we were using last time. Mm -hmm. um, so, if I go back up to speak. Speak S submenu 1 of 11. And I arrow to the right. I don't press enter. I arrow to the right. Speak selection S control plus alt plus X 1 of 7. Now speak selection 
I'm not really sure what the advantages of that because you can um, you can kind of select text and it will read it anyway in the document like um, like it would in a, a normal word document um, but it actually but it does have here if I arrow down speak selection formatting F control plus alt plus a control plus alt plus F2 of seven there's one of those complicated keyboard shortcuts to get that but uh, if you access it in the menu speak selection formatting so if I press enter, document, blank, normal text, font, Arial, 14 point, color, black, vertical, align, normal, line, spacing, one, spacing, after paragraph, zero points. Zero points? Okay, so that's a bit like your um, insert F, is it, in Word? Yeah, to report your, your fonts and your, yeah. your, your text attributes, I suppose. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's the kind of equivalent of that. So you can speak your selection formatting. So wherever you are in the document, you can um, find out the kind of attributes of the of the font settings. Um, also, just in the speak. So if I go Alt A again, accessibility sub menu. Speak S sub menu speak, one of so eleven. Arrow down to speak and then arrow to the right. Speak selection S control. Speak selection formatting F. Speak cursor location L control plus alt plus a control. Okay, so uh, speak cursor location. So I can press enter and it'll tell me where I am in the document. Document blank on page one of two on paragraph two on line two. And I suppose, Sharon, what I'm noticing as you go through these, yes, there's I guess for the functions that you might use regularly, yes, whilst there are keystrokes are, as you say, maybe a little complicated. If you're using them regularly, you will learn those shortcuts. Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, particularly say if you were proofreading something a lot, if you did a lot of proofreading in your job or something, um, you know, and, and there was a shortcut that will get you to do uh, just check um something in the document that that's going to be really useful and yeah there was a very long-winded um there's kind of like a double shortcut <laughs> and i should be so happy about that being sharon's shortcuts a double shortcut you know? it is a big um, shortcut though isn't it there's a yeah, oh, yeah. control shift n plus control shift something else so you have to yeah. and presumably you have to do them i would think quite quickly yeah yeah um, there's a lot uh, in this where you do kind of a control alt n for the next and control alt p for the previous mm -hmm. and then the following shortcut is then what is the next thing that you want do you want the next list or the next graphic or the next formatting change you know and that's where it's a it's a different shortcut so um yeah it's it's kind of long-winded but yeah if you use it a lot it might be worth knowing one or two accessibility sub menu 10 of 10 and i'll arrow down this time speak comments Footnote N sub menu three of eleven. Footnotes. I didn't really explore this because it's not something I'd really use. Footnotes. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll just skip over that one unless anybody really wants to know about footnotes. So let let us know, <laughs> and we can come back to that. Um, but the good old headings. H headings. Sub menu four of eleven. Headings in a document. Pretty now nice. in a document in Word with JAWS, you can get a list of headings. And you can arrow down to the heading and press enter to, to move to it in the document. Here you have headings in the accessibility menu. And if I arrow right. Move to next heading, then control plus alt plus n control plus alt plus h one of two. Yeah. So move to next heading and I'd press enter on that. But you see, did you hear that? Control alt n for next. Control alt h for heading. Okay. What else have we got up here? We accessibility have... sub menu. Footnote headings. Graphics G Graphics. sub menu 5 of 11. This is cool. Now, um, there are some pictures in here. Menu so, bar. Oh, do you know what I did then? Press the Alt key again. <laughs> oh, no, I no. pressed Enter. Ah, right, okay. <laughs> um, instead of right arrow, that, that kind of catches me out sometimes because you'd be so used to pressing Enter or something. So I'm in Graphics, uh, arrow right. Next Graphic N Next control graphic. plus Alt plus N control. I'll press Enter. Document. Blank. Link start image alt text title. Melting chocolate link end selected. Oh, very good. <laughs> brilliant. So, um, did you hear it say it said alt text? Yeah, yeah. Melting chocolate. Now, 
Um, and it said link, actually, there. That's because I kind of grabbed that picture. There's two ways of putting pictures into uh, documents. You can actually put insert a file, picture file, or um, in this case, it's actually a link to a picture. Uh, but the picture is displayed, if that makes sense. Now, I have another picture here. Now, if, well, I know there's another picture, so maybe I'll go to the next graphic. So, Alt-A. Menu, sub-menu. Where are we? Accessibility, okay. sub-menu, 10 of 10. Sometimes it will go to the Google Chrome settings menu. And, I mean, I just escape out of that and try it again. It just kind of maybe loses where it is sometimes, but um, uh, it gets it gets back there. Uh, graphics. So graphics is actually G on next here. Next graphic N control plus alt plus N. And I'll do next graphic enter. Document blank. Okay, it's not saying anything this time. So I assume it's on the next graphic, but the problem with this graphic is it doesn't have any alternative text. And I could actually do the applications key on this and add alt text to it like you can in Word, Word. now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'll just prove that, actually. <laughs> Shift menu, F10. Menu. And if I arrow Update up, normal text to it's usually down the bottom of the menu, the top context menu. So I arrow up. Select all matching text, alt text. Control plus alt plus Y404. Now that's handy. There's an alt text shortcut that isn't mm. particularly long-winded. Control alt Y. So control alt Y. So I can go into alt text here. I can escape out Document. of that. And with my graphic that's actually selected because I moved to it using the accessibility menu, I can do um, what was it again? Control, control alt, alt Y. y. Yeah. Alt text dialog. Okay, and I can tab in here. Close button. Title edit. Title edit. Blank. Now I know what the second picture is. Um, freshly picked beetroot space. Okay. Um, now it's got title, description, edit, multi-line, and description. Um, title seems to work fine. I'm not sure in, in certain programs if it uses a title. Or the description. Um, I was never sure of that either. Even in Microsoft yeah. Word, I used to put the same thing in both boxes because uh, right. I was never sure which. But yeah, I, I, then I've noticed sometimes the graphic gets read twice because the screen reader is obviously reading both the title and the description. So I think you're right to say the title is probably enough. I'll do the title. I know it works in Google Docs. and Maybe I'll check it in, in, Google, in, in Google Word. <laughs> Google Word. Google Word, yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, Microsoft. Uh, okay. okay. Button. And I tap to the OK button. Press Enter. Title freshly picked beetroot description removed updated all text. Okay, that's nice. It tells me it's all all good. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, if I arrow around link a bit. start image all text title melting chocolate link end link start image all text title. Freshly picked beetroot link okay. end. Excellent. That's nice. It read them both. Excellent. <laughs> I actually have the two pictures on the same line, so it read them both. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Misspelling them submenu 9 of 11. Misspelling. Now, Google Docs has a spell check in it, but I didn't find it particularly accessible. It doesn't do like JAWS, a spell check. It's actually in the tools. There's a tools menu and spelling is the first thing in the tools menu in Google Docs. But it wasn't reading out the spelling of the word that was wrong. It was just giving the suggestions. Um, but the misspelling in this accessibility menu will take you to your next misspelling. So if I arrow to the right. Move to next misspelling. So move to next misspelling. Enter. Document. Blank. Misspelling cooled. Cooled. What's wrong with cooled? <laughs> Doesn't so if like I just cooled, arrow to the right. <laughs> C O L E. Misspelling exited D. 
okay. But again, um, it's, a, it's a useful yeah. way to just jump through if you want, if you think you had a misspelling somewhere uh, mm-hmm. to be able to jump to that. Oh, what I can do while I'm on here, though, I can do the similar thing as in um, Word where you do the applications key, you know, like, as, like you're right clicking and it gives you spelling suggestions. So if I do application, menu, sub menu, cooked, spelling suggestion, <laughs> two of two. So it reckons that it should be cooked, not cooled. Just doesn't but, like that cooled word, Sharon. No, no. What's what's so uncool about cooled? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's see if there's any more misspellings that might uh, be interesting here. Accessibility um, sub menu. I can press M, M for misspelling. So I did Alt A for accessibility menu. M for Move misspelling. Misspelling control plus one. Enter. Misspelling approximately. Approximately. Document. Okay. Blank. So we've got O P R O X I M O T E L. Misspelling exited Y. If I do applications key. Menu submenu. Approximately. Spelling suggestion two of two. There we go. Okay. So I can press enter then. Document. And it corrects it Blank. for me. The last thing on accessibility. Settings e sub menu 11 of 11. Settings. And in here. Toggle screen reader support S control plus alt plus Z one of one. Um, it might be worth kind of reiterating here that the screen reader support and this accessibility menu is available um, by pressing control alt Z the first time you go into Google Docs. Um and then it's set for your account for Google Docs forever. But if you wanted to come out of it, you could actually press Control Alt Z again, or like you can go, you can actually toggle it here on a menu. Um, but also in here, enable Braille support. Be not checked. Two of three. You've got enable Braille support as well. Hmm. <laughs> so there's one for you, Stuart. To okay, go away you have and to go with. and have a play with that. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So um, so that's down in the settings in the accessibility menu. But that kind of gives you a good idea. Generally, um, you know, there's a few useful things in that accessibility menu. Generally, uh, it does have the feel of Word working through a document, um, and it does have a lot of similar features, maybe um, comparable or a bit simpler than the JAWS uh, stuff but um, it's it's all there there's a lot there absolutely and as we say I think as you used as you use these more you, and certainly the ones that you like are the ones you find useful you'll you know get used to the shortcuts in the way you just learn them by mm-hmm. having to use them and you'll find I'm sure that it's a lot quicker um, Sharon thank you for introducing us I suppose over the last two months to the power of Google Docs um, I mm-hmm. happened to be sharing something with somebody last week who was using Google Docs and I decided I would do it and it took a little bit longer than it would with Word not so much because there was problems with Google Docs it was just because it took me a little while to get my head around how to do things but yeah. it was a great experience because it kind of made me learn and not fall back to things that I was familiar with so yeah um, it's always good to to learn something I new. That's very good. Uh, Sharon, thanks a million, and we look forward to more shortcuts in March. Thanks very much, Stuart. Now you're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for February 2018, and we always enjoy lifestyle issues and getting away from technology every so often. And when I hear about music, it's even better. Because Roisin Dermody, who uh, I don't think you've been on the podcast before, Roisin, by the way, so welcome, first of all. Uh, Roisin Dermody joins me today, and Roisin has been exploring some really interesting ways to get blind and visually impaired musicians together and hopefully make some music. And uh, we're here to talk all about that today and hopefully get people who are listening excited so they can join in. Roshin, first of all, thanks for coming into NCBI. No problem. Thanks for uh, having me. To, to tell me a, a little bit about what you're, what you're studying, which has kind of led to this idea. Okay, well, okay, so I, uh, let's start at the beginning, I guess. I did my, my degree in music donkeys years ago, um, so I've been a music teacher for the last <clears throat> lots of years, um, about 20 years. Um, and... Um, Anyway, when I was probably like yourself when we were going through college, there was no such thing as community music, or at least 
it existed, but it wasn't being studied. It wasn't an academics discipline. Um, so there's a... I found myself working a lot in the area of community music facilitation um, and I just decided I would go back and do the diploma in the Royal Irish Academy of Music this year. They have a diploma in community community and group music teaching. Um, so it was just a way of, I suppose, ensuring I was doing the right things um, and um, getting to know other people you know, working in the field and uh, sharing ideas. And I also had to take up two new instruments. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot harder than I was expecting in a lot of ways. <laughs> What's been that return to, because I know I did a music degree myself a long time ago, uh-huh. uh, maybe a year or two before you, I yeah, think. It was yeah, yeah, an awful yeah, long time yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> Th- that experience of then going back and taking up new instruments, because I even remember doing piano at the time, and I was just a one instrument, was hugely time-consuming. What's yes. that been like for you? That actually has been the absolute bane of my life. I was really excited to take up new instruments, I mean, I was looking at a couple of different courses, um, but the fact that I got to try two new instruments was what kind of really tipped this course in, you know, that's what kind of really ticked the box for me. And now it's actually the biggest part of my, like, it's just taking over my life. It's like I have instruments all over the house and it's like, I seem to be practicing all the time. I don't seem to do anything else. It's like, oh my God, I need my life back. (laughs) So exciting stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the... I suppose this, you mentioned community music a mm. couple of minutes ago and the risk of making a, a really sweeping statement, you know, blind people and music and it, it kind of links relatively well, blind, low vision, lots of people play music to, yeah. some, to some degree. Yeah, exactly. And I know when you sort of floated this idea with me before Christmas, your idea was to just bring people together to see what would come out of this mm. merging of musical levels and interests, right? Yeah. Well, I have to okay, so I have to do a project for for my course, right? I have to do 40, 45 hours teaching time with a group or groups. And most people are going into their local primary school, or a lot of them are actually primary school teachers, so they're just teaching tin whistle in class and ticking the box, right? But I decided, you know, I've had this idea in the back of my head for a long time about, you know, having um, a disabled musician's ensemble or a vision impaired musician's ensemble or, you know, it's been in the back of my head and I kind of thought, you know, this is the motivation I need to just go and explore this idea. So um, what I'm looking at is getting blind and vision impaired musicians together or people who aspire to be musicians or music students or at whatever stage of instrument uh, you're at, you know, like... you. You know, a few people have been in touch with me saying, oh, but I've only started. I've only been playing two years. That's perfectly fine. You know, I'm interested in meeting all people at all levels, all instruments, all genres. I'm just open to facilitating groups. Um, If people want to, you know, get together and play trad music, that's fine. I'll I'll facilitate that if they want to do go down the classical route that's fine, I can do that. You know, I've taught with marching bands and with concert bands before. So I'm used to working with, you know, um, say, groups of different levels. Because, you know, like, say, for example, in when I was teaching flutes in a marching band, I could have um, some people in the band who've been playing in the band for eight years. But then I have eight-year-olds coming in have never picked up a flute before in their lives... Um, but I can't tell them, no, sorry, you can't play in the Christmas concert, mm-hmm. you know, because that's that's not what it's about. Um, so I have to be able to arrange music in a certain way so that everyone is playing and everyone is participating at their level. When you bring these people together and you start this, I suppose, journey of getting a, a, a group of people with, and you mentioned, varying different levels, maybe different interests, different musical genres mm-hmm. together, is there a... Is there an end product? Is there, you know, sometimes would there be a concert? Is there going to be a... Yeah, well, I would hope there would be a concert. Um, it really it really depends on what the group want to do, you know? I mean, I would, I would always work towards a performance, an exam, a something. Mm. You know, I'm a very goal-orientated person yeah. myself, so that's how I would always work. That's how I would always work with my students, whether they are individual students or, you know, ensembles. I would always be working towards an end goal. Um, The end goal, like the structure and format of the groups, 
would have to, would be determined by the group you know so it might be I would love to have a concert but people mightn't be ready yet to be performing in front of you know hundreds of people <laughs> um you know, but some people might be interested. There's, um, there are new exams, well, they're not that new now, but there's group exams you can do through the academy uh, for beginners, for you know, beginner ensembles. That's also an option. You know, there's so many options for the end goal. The other thing that strikes me when you get a group of people together, and maybe this is not as much of an issue for blind or low vision people, but this, and we, we talked about it off air before we started this, the idea of a, a, a conductorless Orchestra. Orchestra yes. or ensemble, which yes. is really interesting because I suppose sighted musicians will quite naturally focus a fair amount of their attention for guidance on the conductor. On the conductor, yeah. Uh, you're obviously going to take that out of the equation. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I will be there to facilitate, mm. but I mean, now if, if there are people who are have enough usable sight to warrant me conducting, then yes, I am. I, I can conduct if needs be, okay. but I I'm not very comfortable standing with my back to an audience. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, as, as you say, it's, it's more facilitating this. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, I'm, I'm okay. not. Yeah, this is more about facilitating um, facilitating the group. Um, but I mean, if if conducting is required, then yes, I can, I, I can and will do that. Okay. But I just don't see I don't see the role of a conductor in an ensemble for blind and vision-impaired musicians. One of the other things you mentioned, and, and I suppose, well, there are two things that struck me about this project, Roshin. The first is when you set up a WhatsApp group before Chris, there was mm. huge interest in this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Loads of people were coming back saying, I'm interested, I want to do this. I, and some people, and it was really interesting for me to watch this because yeah. there was people saying, oh, I only do this and I haven't been doing it long. And you were like, it doesn't matter. Fine. Um, the, the other thing that really struck me was you mentioned Braille music, mm-hmm. um, which... It was a big personal interest of mine. You and I were saying beforehand that lots of people sort of say, oh, Braille music is too hard, yeah. don't touch it. Yeah. And of course, anything is too hard. Unless you actually put in the work and okay. the effort and do it, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I find violin hard. <laughs> it's that whole, I'm fine with the, with the left hand and you know, fingering the, 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 the fingerboard. Getting the bow to go in a straight line seems to be hugely complicated for me. So, you know, everything is hard for some people, and but you've got to put in the effort and it gets that little bit easier. So for those people who may want to learn Braille music, this is almost a, another strand within this project? Yeah, if people do want to learn Braille music, I'm more than willing to, to teach that. Um, I've had a couple of people interested already. Um, so, yeah, that, that's another option if people are interested. So people listening today who are musicians or have done a bit of music before who kind of think this could be really interesting outside of the music, just the whole social side and getting mm. out and meeting people and obviously having your facilitation to support this. What, what's the commitment, I suppose, for someone who may wish to participate in this? Okay, well, I would be looking at um, a rehearsal once a week for two hours. Um, because we're working in a group, um, two hours is kind of, uh, it, it's a necessary time frame because mm-hmm. one, one and a half to two hours, because you've got to make sure everyone is tuned up mm-hmm. um, because that will just sound like a car crash if we don't take the time to, you know, set everything up properly in the first place. Um, and, you know, for people who are beginning to work together, maybe, you know, some people have, you know, maybe worked on their own for years you know they could be amazing in, like instrumentalists but they've never necessarily worked as an, as part of an ensemble before so that is a huge learning curve for people who have you know who are maybe beginning out on on, on their instrument um you know how taking that time to make the sound the like to get the best sound you can possibly mm-hmm. get before you even start it makes it so much easier um, for everyone's nerves. And, and, and for a group, two hours, you, you, know, you won't feel You won't much. feel two hours going shows. at all. It sounds like a long time, yeah. but from my experience, two hours is gone yeah. in no time. So two hours a week to rehearse, you'll be obviously, I suppose, you, you're the, the challenge for someone like yourself as a facilitator is to try and look at the people who come forward, mm-hmm. where they are at, what they're interested in, yeah. and then group yeah. them together accordingly. Yeah. I'm, also, I'm also, like, I'm prepared to, like, if... If there are enough people, say in Cork or Galway, I'm quite happy to take a trip to, to 
Cork or Galway once a week as well. Okay. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't necessarily. This doesn't have to be Dublin it's based. Not Dublin focused. At the moment, yes, it is. But there, that's because that's where most of the interest has come from. Mm. Um, but there, I'm also currently exploring um, options in Belfast because word has gotten out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's really exciting. It's kind of something that hasn't been done for a while, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, people are listening might sort of say, yeah, I really want to do this. I want to you know, find out more. Uh, I've always wanted to play music or wanted to at least improve my musical skills. Uh, how can they get in touch? Okay, so um, my email address is M M for Marie, Dermody at gmail.com. And my mobile number is 087-93-70337. All right, Roisin, best of luck with it. It's Thank a you. great initiative. Um, <laughs> I'd like to check in with you later in the year to find out how it's going. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but for the moment, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. you're listening to NCBI's technology podcast for February 2018. Thank you, as always, for downloading our monthly technology podcasts and subscribing to our program. And as I said earlier, we got loads of feedback after January's uh, episode uh, in relation to Sharon Lyons and the Google Docs um, exercise, our experiment that we did. I thoroughly enjoyed that. If you want to get in touch with us, remember our comment line is available. You can have your voice played on a future podcast by calling 018821 1930, or if you're calling from outside of Ireland, it's uh, 003531881930. Please leave your message and it may be used on a future podcast. Or, of course, you can send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. Quick reminder about our virtual technology clubs. They take place monthly on the last Thursday of every month. The next one is going to be on Thursday, the 22nd of February. And on that Uh, virtual technology club meeting or at that virtual technology club meeting rather we're going to be hearing about home smart home technology and building a smart home and David Nason is going to speak to us about that because he's done quite a bit of research about it in the last little while so very much looking forward to that you can find all the the details at ncbi.ie forward slash technology which is where you'll always find our latest technology updates now thanks to Roisin Dermody who we've just heard talking about her music project. It's really interesting, isn't it? Um, This idea of bringing people together with all sorts of musical backgrounds and levels and just seeing what happens. And I'm really excited about what Roisin is building and very much looking forward to staying in touch with her about that. Again, if you want to get in touch with her, it's Roisin M. Dermody, that's D-E-R-M-O-D-Y, at gmail.com or 087-9370337. Now, as I say, we always love to hear from our listeners. Technologypodcast at ncbi.ie is the all-important email address. And about two weeks ago, I got an email with a link to a wonderful audio recording of of a product that I'm totally overwhelmed by. uh, And I was very lucky enough to get one last year. And the recording was provided to us by Julie Rodaway, who I met a long, long time ago. And she's just a wonderful person and a great singer, by the way. Uh, She may not mind me saying that in the podcast. But outside of that, she's a tech guru. She loves tech. I've heard so many reviews that Julie has done on other podcasts. So I was really delighted that Julie decided to do one for us. Here she is giving us a thorough and very in-depth review of the L Braille. I've long been a fan of Braille note takers, having used the Braille and Speak, Braille Lite, HumanWare's Braille Note Apex, Braille Note Touch, and HIMS devices. But their drawback, though, is that they operate on a Windows CE platform using proprietary software, which in many cases restricted their ability to cope with certain tasks, especially the internet. So, with much excitement, I learned that the Elita Group, based in Russia, had manufactured a brand new note-taker called the El Braille. This essentially is a docking station, housing the beautiful Focus 14 Blue Braille display, running a full version of Windows 10 with JAWS 1718, enabling the user to run any application they wanted, removing the restrictions that some traditional note-takers had. El Braille is about the size of a videocassette, 
is extremely lightweight and for me is definitely a game changer as far as note takers go. I think to categorise it as such is extremely unfair because in my opinion it can do so much more than a traditional note taker could in the past. With a Focus 14 braille display you emulate all the keyboard commands you would use with JAWS without having to use a USB keyboard though this option is available to you should you choose to do so. Using these commands initially may seem a little bit daunting, but repetition will soon ease the learning curve. I am simply blown away that I can run any program I want on such a tiny device, whether that be Skype, office applications, sound editors, Dropbox, all from such a device that is so convenient and portable. Enough of talking then, let's have a tour of the L Braille and get it going. Well, I've got the L Braille in my hand in its case, which is really lovely. And on the right hand side, there's a flap, which when you lift up, it's a Velcro flap, when you lift it up, it exposes what I'm going to discuss now. On the right hand side, there is a mini 3.5 headphone jack. Then there's the SD card slot. Remember, this is capable of taking cards up to 256 gig. Then you've got your USB slot. Then you have the hole, which is for the AC adapter. On the left-hand side of the case, which I'm going to look at now, there is a slot for the SIM card and on the front of the case there is a pocket, a decent sized pocket to house any peripherals that you might have like pen drives or headphones. In my case I've got a, a USB hub because with there only being one USB port on it I might need to use more than one USB device at the same time and the hub really works well with this device, no issues at all. And also on the left hand side you have the HDMI port. On the front of the case, just towards your stomach, there are two press studs which you just lift up to open the case and your L Braille is in front of you. Now the L Braille will come in two ways. If you buy a complete unit, that being the L Braille, the JAWS license and the Focus 14 Braille display, it comes fully docked. If you don't, and you have the JAWS license and the Focus 14, as was my case, the L Braille just came on its own so it's just the docking station. So how do you attach the Focus 14 to the L Braille? Well let me describe this now. When you look at the empty docking station you'll find a very small micro USB cable to which you have to attach the Focus and I'm gonna attempt to do this now because I've actually undocked the focus from the braille display and it's really really short and you haven't got much there you go and then what you need to do is gently very very gently sit the focus on the docking station and gently push and you will if you've done it right hear a clicking sound there you go and the focus is attached and what you then need to do is find a small magnetic plastic cover which is attached to the unit via wire and gently place it over the USB wire cable to secure the unit in place. To detach the Focus 14 towards the front of you 
on the very bottom towards your stomach there are two buttons round buttons you need to press these at the same time and gently lift the focus 14 as you do so i'm just putting a magnetic cover back on the focus and to make it all secure and it's all fully docked now you wouldn't really know these were separate units in effect because they marry together so very well so if we look at the L braille itself I've discussed the ports with you and on the back of the unit there is actually nothing but it feels really solid I've got it out of the case at the moment so if you go from the back then the first thing you'll notice if you slide your hands from the back you've got L braille uh, written in grade one it's uh, all in braille there and you have two stereo speakers either side of that then you have buttons just below the L braille logo these are called E1 E2 volume down volume up E3 and E4 and they do perform a specific function which I will deal with in a second now going past all that then you have the focus and you have the braille keyboard which is really nice to use so you've got dots one two three and seven four five six and dot eight and then the space bar in the middle now underneath that you've got your cursor routing keys which is really handy for editing and either side of which there are two round buttons and there are selector buttons and there are rocker bars which is unique to the focus and you've got your panning buttons which pan the braille display to the left or to the right and then you've got shift buttons these are square buttons now these all these keys are very important because they enable you to control the PC with JAWS and the focus utilizes all these buttons to do certain things if we go to the left of the focus there is a recessed button on the left hand side which is the power button you hold this button for a couple of seconds and once you hear two vibrations let it go and the computer will boot up there isn't any screen on the device but this doesn't worry me because when you're booting it up as in now now you receive two vibrations there's another vibration I don't know whether you could hear that and the computer will do its stuff now while it's doing that the focus comes on intermittently and goes off and comes on again it's still making the vibrations and in a, a few seconds JAWS will speak and it's still doing its stuff and it's telling me on the braille display to press a routing cursor key and I will do that and JAWS will come on in a second now the speakers on this aren't very loud so I've attached a small mini Console speaker use edition. so desktop folder view list view not selected this pc one of 19 okay so what i've done if actually i've actually slowed the speech down so that you'll be able to understand it so i'm not using any usb keyboard at the moment at all i'm, I'm using the focus 14 to control this so i will go into microsoft word W folder view list view word 2016 7 of 19 and that's exactly what I want and I'll press enter here word. and it's going to open word for me in a second and one word print view edit okay so I'll start typing I hope you are happy on this cold miserable January 
Day period space. This is a demonstration of the L braille period space. Okay, so I've written that in grade two. Now, when you load the L braille for the first time, you may come across the JAWS setup wizard, and this allows you to configure various settings whether you want uh, braille in grade 1, grade 2, etc, etc and, and other settings that you, you would normally use with JAWS so I'm going to go to the top of this document by doing a chord command now what I mean is that I press a number of keys together with the space bar and we call these chord commands so I'm not, I'm not going to play a keyboard honestly I, I can play the piano but <laughs> I'm not going to do this at this instance I... I I use the term chord commands to describe what I'm doing. So to go to the top of the document, I press an L with a space bar. Top of file, I hope you are happy on this cold, miserable January day. This is a demonstration of the L Braille. To go down one line, I press stop four chord. Okay. To go to the bottom of the document, I press dot four five six chord. I hope you are happy on this cold, miserable January day. This is a demonstration of the L Braille. And I'm seeing this in Braille as well. So if I want to add some more, which I will do, I will just do... Thank you for listening to this demonstration period. And I'm going to get Jules to read me the whole thing, which is say it all command. So to do this, I do... Dot one, two, four, five, six, and the space bar, and I'm going to get Jaws to do its stuff. I hope you are happy on this cold, miserable January day. This is a demonstration of the El Braille. Thank you for listening to this demonstration. Okay, so come out of that, I do Alt F4. Now, to do this using the emulation commands, I do dots one, six, Eight chord followed by the letter D. Alt F4, Microsoft Word. Want to save your changes to document one? If you click on save, a recent copy of this file will be temporarily available. Save button, Alt plus S. No, I don't want to do that, so I press the tab button, which is dot four five chord. Tab, don't save button, Alt plus N. Okay, and I press enter. Now I spoke earlier about the E1, E2, E3, and E4 keys. So I'm going to press the E1 key now, and this brings up a menu. If you have difficulty navigating the computer using the ordinary start menu and the search within the start menu, etc., you could use this menu. So I'm going to press this menu now. Context menu, my files, F. That's equivalent of the file explorer within Windows. Text editor, E. And I'm navigating this using the arrow down equivalent, which is a dot four chord. Notes N. Notes. Audio player P. Audio player. Books, Books. Office 365 submenu O. And I've got Office, so I've got Word and, and, and all the Office applications there. Internet browser I. Internet browser. Email M. Email. Instant messenger A. Now, if you go to email, by default, it is... Windows Mail, but I have Outlook on here, which I use. I prefer to, to use that rather than the Windows Mail application. Skype S. Skype. Calculator C. Calculator. L Braille Utility Submenu U. This is where you'll find the L Braille settings menu, so that if you don't want the vibrations when the L Braille is booting up, you can sort that out you can stop that so you don't have the vibrations or you don't have the the bleep feedback but i prefer the default settings because i know exactly what's happening and there are other options as well now if i want to know the status of the battery i press e2 battery level high battery 80 percent time remaining 12 hours and three minutes remaining if I want to know the Wi-Fi status, I press E2 twice. July network, internet access. And then I have the volume up and volume down. 519. 
E3 tells you the time and date, and E4 takes you to an L Braille utility called Notes. Now, this is where you can record voice notes, or you can use a text file program that the L Braille have installed here. This would be handy if you didn't have Office on here, and they're very effective. But I don't want to do any of that. I'm going to use the Start menu. I want to use the Start menu. So to do this, I press the right shift key together with dot four. Search box edit. Okay, so I'm going to type notepad here and press enter. Notepad. Notepad, desktop app, untitled notepad, edit. So I'm free to type something, but I don't want the speech, so I'm going to press M with the shift key. Speech on demand. And I'm going to type... Thank you for your help with the dogs today. So there's no speech there, and I'm going to go to the top of the file, and I see that in Braille here. Thank you for your help with the dogs today. So I'm going to put speech back on by pressing the right shift key on the focus on the letter M. Full speech. And I have full speech on my braille display and the sentence that I've written there. If I want to highlight that, I do an FOR chord with the left shift key. So I'm going to go make sure I'm at the top of the file with a cursor routing key on the letter T and I'm going to do this FOR sign with the left shift. Selected. Thank you for your help with the dogs today period. And I'm going to cut that because, or no, I'm going to delete it because I don't really want it. So I'm going to do a D with the left shift key. Blank. And there's nothing there. So I'm going to get out of the notepad application with the 168 chord and the letter D. Desktop, folder view, list view, word 2016, 7 of 19. And I'm going to go on the internet. Now, what I've done is I've set the RNIB overdrive as my default internet page, so it may take a couple of seconds to load. And I'm going to type the letter I. I, Internet Explorer. I'm going to press Enter here and wait for this page to load. And I'm going to demonstrate searching for a bookie. RNIB supporting blind and partially sighted people, Internet Explorer. RNIB supporting blind and partially sighted people, page has three reach. Okay, I'm going to press the letter E. Search edit. Edit. And I'm going to put Jack London. Jack. London. I'm going to press... Submit search button. Enter. And remember, I'm doing all this with the emulation commands. Search results are NIV supporting blind and partially sighted. The H to go to headings. Filter search by heading level 5. Click options for white fan by Jack London. Options for white fan. And if I want to do, I could borrow the book. And indeed download it using the overdrive which I've installed so I've downloaded the audible books on here as well I did say you could use Skype so let's try it I'm gonna go to the start menu again and I'm gonna type the word Skype and uh, I see that in Braille here so I press enter Skype, Skype, desktop app, Skype, desktop app, Skype, desktop app and I'm just going to wait it to load and do its stuff. There you go. And I'm going to use the test call to show you how it works on here. I've gone to the search button and I'm just going to put test. T-T-T, test, test. Enter contacts list box Skype test call echo 123 online 103. Okay. So... To make this call, I'm going to do Control and Q. And to do the Control equivalent on the focus, I do dots three eight chord and the letter Q. Hello, welcome to the call testing service. After the beep, please record a message. Afterwards, your message will be played back to you. Hello, this is a test using the L Braille. Thank you for your attention. Hello, this is a test using the L Braille. Thank you for your attention.
Now I have a couple of files I want to get rid of. So I've gone into my files and I've got one and I've got another one here. Now to go down with the control down arrow equivalent you use the right shift bar and the left rocker. Not selected. This is a TIO ball. You are well and happy. Docs. Okay, so I'm going to press the space bar space. here. This is a TIO ball. You are well and happy. Docs. And because I've selected these files, I'm going to do a, a D with the left shift. Delete multiple items dialog. Are you sure that you want to permanently delete these two items? Yes button. Both Absolutely. You can use the L Braille without the Focus 14. You don't have to have the Focus 14 housed to use this device. Let me show you. I'm going to de-dock the Focus 14 and plug a USB keyboard in here. Okay, so I've got my USB keyboard. I'm going to plug it in. So you hear that familiar sound. And this is the only way now in which I can manipulate the L Braille. I'm going to go to the start menu. Search box edit. And I'm going to look for Outlook. Okay, Outlook 2016. Just enter. Stephen Scott, three L Braille, two eight. Group by expanded. With so I'm navigating on. now, going up and down Goodbye. the arrow keys with the keyboard. I'm going to come Goodbye. out of that now. While it might not be the fastest. PC in the world. It doesn't claim to compete with the high-end laptop market. It certainly is ideal for everyday usage and everyday tasks that you may want to perform. Now let me get a little bit geeky here. On here you've got C drive which is 30 gigs of internal memory. This is for your program files and your system files. D drive you have on board 160 solid state drive um, capacity here that's for your data your personal files etc some programs then if you use the SD card slot it says that it's USB drive E or F now why it doesn't say SD card slot E or F I don't know it calls it a USB drive it did confuse me that initially but I've got used to it now. What I tend to do is keep everything I want to save on the SD card so that there is very little on the, the dock itself. I think this is really good in case something should happen to your dock. Typically in a Windows 10 situation you may be working with your computer and it updates and you don't know what's happening, you lose speech something causes the thing to crash you're forced to either use a sighted pair of eyes use another screen reader such as narrator or nvda to get you out of a jam and good luck to you but with this you don't have to worry because should you lose speech or braille or both whatever reason if you press the E1 key and hold it down until you hear a bleep, an emergency rescue menu materialises. So this menu is self-voicing. So even if you are in a situation where your braille or your speech ceases, it doesn't matter. So you've got three options. You've got the JAWS restart reboot the whole system completely or completely shut it down. So you can manipulate to one of those options and that will get you out of a jam that you're in. So my conclusions about the L Braille then. Fantastic that I can do so much with this device and I'm simply bowled over by it. I'm very very impressed. There is now an L Braille 40 using a Focus 40 Braille display. For the docking station alone, it's just on £1,100 here in the UK. For the Focus and JAWS, the cost will be considerably higher. For complete pricing information, contact Sight and Sound Technology, who will be able to supply you with the necessary details.
Well, thank you very much to Julie Rodaway. Julie, that was absolutely excellent. As I say, I received the link from Julie about two weeks ago now. I listened to it twice and I suppose there was a few things I really loved about the recording. First of all, I could just slot it in, didn't have to do anything with it because Julie's a pro at this kind of gig uh, at this stage. And secondly, I suppose Julie's passion and Julie's excitement of this device shone through. And I suppose I could identify that with that because... I have to say that I have used many note takers in the past and the L Braille is the one that by far is the most exciting for me. You're not restricted anymore by a note taker platform. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, with all the note takers that are out there. There's really great devices out there and they do, of course, depend on what you want to do. But there's something really unique, isn't there, about picking up a Windows 10 Um, machine with a braille display in one compact unit and bringing it with you anywhere. I absolutely love the potential of the L braille. I love the L braille as a product. I love what it can, I'm sure, develop into in the future. So, Julie, thank you very much. Please keep those features coming because it was really, really great. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to that and uh, I have no doubt lots of our other listeners did as well. Um, as I say, the Braille is a great product. If you want to see it or you'd like to find out more information, Julie's already given you the contact details for Sight and Sound in the UK or you can give us a call here at NCBI. Um, we'd be very happy to talk to you about it and show it to you if you'd like to get a look. Now, that's just about it. Thank you to our contributors this month, Sharon Lyons, Roisin Dermody, and of course, Julie Rodaway. We're back in March when, amongst other things, I'll be chatting to uh, the guys who set up News Over Audio. If you remember, we uh, showed you this uh, Amazon Echo skill last month. Well, they'll be in studio with me in uh, March telling us all about the service and how it works. And Amy Hines Fitzpatrick, our corporate, enga- a corporate engagement executive, and myself are going out for a walk with Amy's Orcan. Uh, more in March. Until then, have a great month from Stuart Lawler. Thank you for listening and goodbye.